Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Welcome back to hour number two of today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Monday morning. It is 8.02, and whether you're tuning in via the AM side at 14.90, on the FM side uh, at uh, 104.9, or if you're choosing to listen via the live stream, which you can find on ESPNTucson.com, we do appreciate you tuning in here to Tucson's only local morning sports talk show, hopefully keeping you entertained and informed with uh, all the latest and uh, news and notes around the world of sports, and uh, try to offer you plenty of opinions as well for you to kind of chew on and well, think about, or if you want to just spit them back at me, that's fine too. Uh, but we've got uh, plenty to talk about still in hour number two today. We'll continue to talk some more NFL. We'll talk some college football, some NBA uh, news and notes, and some other some other things that are out there. Ed Orgeron, of course, being asked to leave essentially at the end of the season at LSU. That's going to leave a major, major college football job opening. Um, so now USC and LSU are open, which is wow. That's a lot. Like, those are two huge jobs in the world of college football, so we'll talk about that coming up a little bit later on. But right now, it's time because 8 o'clock on a Monday, it's time for our weekly edition of the Dean's List and the Dunce List, the Heroes and Zeros from the weekend that was. And we begin, as we always do, with the Dean's List. The first mention on the Dean's List is the Arizona Cardinals. Folks, listen, it can't be denied. They're playing without a head coach. They're play caller, okay? Cliff Kingsbury is the play caller. They were without their quarterback coach. They were without Chandler Jones and Zach Allen, two guys who have tabbed several sacks throughout the year. They were without a serviceable tight end. They just traded for Zach Ertz, but he didn't play because he played on Thursday night. They were without their starting center, Rodney Hudson. Didn't matter. The Cardinals went on the road and trounced a really good and talented football team and are now 6-0 and for the first time since 1974. They host the Texans on Sunday, who are just awful before a Thursday night matchup against the Packers. So it all trends towards looking like the Cardinals are going to be 7-0 and when that uh, when October 28th rolls around and their Thursday night, uh, you know, square down with the with the Green Bay Packers. So we'll we, that's going to be a huge game, folks. Huge, huge game on a Thursday night. I, I don't think anyone saw that coming when they put that on the schedule, uh, depending on what Green Bay does this week, obviously. But um, look, the Cardinals are are every bit as good as their record shows. You can only beat the teams that are put in front of you on a week to week, and they're the only team that's done it every week. So enough has to be said about the Arizona Cardinals and how good they're playing right now. And look, they're beating teams, they're beating teams badly, and they've won they've won games in ugly fashion, like last week against the Forty ers where the Forty ers tried to just play physical and just tried to beat them up. They won that game. They've won games that were wide open. They've embarrassed teams. They have put big numbers on teams offensively. The defense is showing out. Vance Joseph is calling a great game week to week. This is a really, really, really good football team, and they are one of the legit contenders for the NFC title, without question. Next up on the Dean's list is the Purdue Boilermakers. What? Why? Well, I just thought it was an impressive win on Saturday. They went into Iowa City and dominated the then number two team in the country, not anymore. 
They threw zero interceptions against the Hawkeye defense, which led the country, or still continues to lead the country, with 14 picks this year. Wide receiver David Bell, who I praised earlier in the year when they were getting ready to match up against Notre Dame, and he, you know, he is he is really, really re, uh, remarkable uh, pass catcher. Had 11 catches for 240 yards against Iowa. Also had a big score in that game as well. The defense held Iowa to seven points, which is their lowest output uh, at home, I believe, in like six seasons, something like that. And maybe something of note here: head coach Jeff Brom beat Kirk Ferentz for the fourth time in their five meetings. So they've met five times. Brom has gotten the better of Ferentz four of those five times. With every, I mean, every season Purdue has been a worse team than Iowa. Every season, so that has to be that has to be stated as well. So that's a that's a look. That's a full team win. I don't want to give it to just Jeff Brom. I didn't want to give it to just David Bell. You know, uh, Jack Plummer, Will Plummer's older brother, Jack, is the quarterback at Purdue. They kind of went with. They went with a, a they went with their second string quarterback in the game, and then Jack Plummer came in and ran some plays. He also uh, ran the football. I think he was like second on the team in rushing this past week against Iowa. They kind of did change some things up there, uh, and the quarterback they started ended up going like thirty of forty for like three hundred and eighty yards or something like that. So uh, a great game plan all around for Purdue, knocking the number two team off the board at home, which is you know even a bigger win. Uh, for Purdue. So the Purdue, formerly the Perdont, Boilermakers on the Dean's list at the number two spot. And uh, number three on the Dean's list, uh, what can be said about Dak Prescott? I, I mean, you, you, you just you, you watch him week to week, and he just gets better and better, and that offense continues to just dominate people. I mean, they are unstoppable offensively. Yesterday, against the New England Patriots, last night, he was 36 of 51 for 445 yards, three touchdowns, one pick, leading the Cowboys to 567 yards of total offense. 567 yards of offense on the road against the New England Patriots. Now, you may not think that that's anything spectacular or you're like, well, what does that mean, Jeff? Let me give it to you this way. Bill Belichick has been coaching in this league for a long time. He is largely considered the best football coach in the world right now. Many people consider him the greatest coach of all time. I don't agree with that. That's why I said many people. Uh, But he certainly is one of the greatest coaches of all time. And he's certainly, I think you can put him in there as best coach currently. Even though there are some guys that are a little more innovative than he is, he's just been solid throughout his career. Okay. His entire NFL coaching career, whether it's been as a defensive coordinator on several staffs or as a head coach, that is the most yards he has given up ever. That is the most yards a Belichick coach defense has ever given up. And he's been on some bad teams, like in Cleveland, okay, like some bad football teams. 567 yards. It's incredible. And they, they thoroughly dominated the Patriots in every aspect of that game except for the scoreboard, right? I mean, the scoreboard in overtime, 35-29, they win the game by six points. But you look at the, you look at the statistics in that game and the way the, just the game was played, Dak Prescott was absolutely insane. He was so good. So, so good. And the, going into this season, 
I, I have talked about it before. Going into the season, you could not – the, the Cowboys were not going to win games with Dak Prescott throwing the football 50 times. If you were going to be relying on Dak Prescott to win you shootout games, you were not going to be successful. I was wrong. That is, that is incorrect. That is no longer current information. That is no longer current and correct. If you want to get into shootouts with Dak Prescott, you're more than welcome to. He's got weapons to do it now. C.D. Lamb is spectacular. He's got, of course, Amari. He's got other guys making big catches. That fourth down, The fourth down catch... On the was it the fourth and fourth and ten I think or fourth and eleven, the 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 catch that, um, gosh I can't remember who it, who it was, um, the uh, 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 Wilson right, uh, Cedric Wilson number one Cedric Wilson, the catch that he made on that uh, on that big fourth down was a, it was a great catch, obviously it allowed them to go get the win. The Cowboys are now five and one. They look like legitimate Super Bowl contenders. And Dak Prescott is a major reason why. Again, f- for the previous four seasons, I don't. I've, I've been. St- I've been saying that you cannot rely on Dak Prescott to win you shootout games. So same way that same thing that I say about Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield needs to stay in his lane. If you're going to win games with Baker Mayfield, you need to run the football 35 times a game and have him throw the ball 28 times a game. You can't rely on him to win shootouts. Just not going to happen. I said the same thing about Dak Prescott. That is no longer the case, folks. He is a megastar. He is a he, he is he is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFC. He has turned himself into that that playmaking uh quarterback ability where before he was just a great game manager and now he has evolved into that playmaker. He he's he's spectacular. And look, New England's defense has has not been great this year, but five hundred and sixty seven yards? Are you kidding me? Good lord. Dak Prescott Number three on the Dean's list today. Now we move to the Dunce list. I, folks, I had to like, I had to cut like four people, four things off of this list. Uh, but I'm going to roll with this list that I got. I even have an honorable mention. We'll begin number one on the Dunce list. Tennessee Volunteer fans. What the hell? Now, I was watching that game because I tuned, I tuned over and. I you know I just thought there was going to be a lot of fireworks in that game. I predicted about 63-54 final, Ole Miss and Tennessee. It didn't work out. We see that all the time. Two great offenses kind of cancel each other out. Turns out to be a much lower scoring game than than we expected. But that game in Knoxville at Neyland Stadium, and there's a fourth and what was it fourth and twenty fourth and twenty four something like that. Regardless, whatever the whatever the play was, I don't remember the yards. The Tennessee quarterback throws the ball to his tight end. Tight end dives towards the the line to gain. Okay, but the ball is in his left hand, kind of like tucked into his chest. And as he falls forward, he gets tackled. He falls forward really, really close, really close to the line to gain. However, the officials say, nope, he's short by half a yard. The ball goes back to Ole Miss. Now, there was a lot of fuel on the fire already. Not only was this Lane Kiffin's first return back to Knoxville, this time as the head coach of Ole Miss after he essentially left Tennessee at the altar. Okay, we all we all remember his short, very short stint at Tennessee, and fans there still hate his guts. Uh, this was his first return back, so there was some fuel on that fire. Ole Miss, who has been targeted this year as one of those teams who fakes injuries to slow the opposing offense down. They were at it again on Saturday night 
at Neyland Stadium, and the fans were going berserk. Josh Heupel is jumping up and down, stomping his feet on the sideline, begging officials to get the Ole Miss players up off the ground so that his, his team can get the ball and move, continue to move the ball and stop breaking the momentum that they had. So the fans were already, look, they were, they were already in a tizzy. Then the lengthy review, and during the review of that play, fans began throwing things on the field. I'm sure you saw it over the weekend. They began littering the field with whatever they could find. Lane, Lane Kiffin got hit with a golf ball. <laughs> He's holding up a golf ball. Look, it was an ugly scene. Fans should not ever, ever throw things from the stands onto the field. They had to evacuate the cheerleaders. They had to evacuate the bands. Look, we saw this, right? We saw it against Oregon in Tucson several years ago where the fans began throwing things uh, onto the field. A uh, Oregon cheerleader got hit in the head with a bottle. Like, it's ugly. Fans should never, ever, ever throw anything onto the field. Period. End of story. You can shout. You can make hand gestures, whatever you want to do, signs, whatever you want to do. Don't ever throw things onto the field. That is a bad look. Here's, here's what I hope happens for Tennessee. Okay? Teams are getting – athletic departments are getting fined $250,000 for fans running onto the field after a win. I hope, I hope that Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner, finds the UT athletic department a million dollars. I hope he does because that was completely out of control. And it took, now I don't know this, I cannot confirm this, but based on what I was watching and what I was, because I was listening for the PA announcer because as a PA announcer myself, I have a script in, within, my, within my game day script. I'm handed a game day script every Saturday. Here's your script full of all the reads and everything that we got. At the back of that script, there is an emergency read for when people are throwing stuff onto the field. And you, you, in, in the Pac-12, you have to read this. If you don't read this, your athletic department gets fined. You have to read it. As, as soon as somebody throws something on the field, you just have to take the initiative and you read it. Period. Okay? If you see it, you have to read it. I don't know what the SEC rules are. But it seemed like it took a good 15 minutes for the Tennessee PA announcer, who I think is about 80 years old, it took him about 15 minutes to read that, you know, fans don't throw things onto the field, blah, blah, whatever the, whatever the script happens to be. That's a problem. I hope that Greg Sankey finds UT a million dollars for that. And then I hope, I hope that the, this, the university president turns around and says, yes, we got fined a million dollars. Guess what? It's coming out of your asses because that million dollars is going to be reflected over the next three years of ticket sales. Ticket sales are going to go up so that we can pay back your idiocy of throwing stuff onto the field. We are not paying this out of our pocket. It's on you. I hope that's what happens. That would be amazing. Number two on the dunce list this week, myself. I'm putting myself on the dunce list because I had a three-leg parlay yesterday of the Lions plus three and a half, the Bears plus six, and the Texans plus 10. Those teams, those, I think you know where I'm going with this. Those teams lost by a combined 59 points. <laughs> I mean, blown out. The Bears didn't get blown out so much, but they lost by 10, and that was still enough not to make the parlay. So it's not like, 
It's not like I won two of them and got another. I actually put my faith in the Detroit Lions. I said the Detroit Lions would win that game. We talked about uh, Dan Campbell and his response afterwards to his quarterback slash his team. But I'm putting myself on the dunce list today because what on earth was I thinking? Betting the Lions, the Bears, and the Texans. And the one game I didn't bet, which I should have, because I was going to take the Jaguars in the money line, I didn't wake up in time. So, oops, I missed that one. It'll be all right. It's fine. It's just the Jaguars. They may not win anyways. <laughs> well, well, I did. So, yeah, putting myself on the dunce list for that stupid wager. Uh, honorable mention real quick here before we, uh, before we turn on to our final member of the dunce list. Honorable mention goes to Jackson Carmen. Who? Jackson Carmen, who is an offensive lineman for the Cincinnati Bengals, tweeted out on, um, what was it, Saturday? Friday or Saturday? I remember which day it was. Anyway, whichever day it was, he basically tweeted out to the Twitterverse like, hey, where's a good place to eat in Detroit? Like, where, where should I go to eat? And people were suggesting, you know, go get some Detroit pizza at this place, go get this. And several people recommended Eminem's new restaurant called Mom's Spaghetti. Apparently, Jack Carmen went to Mom's Spaghetti, Eminem's new restaurant, and then had to miss the entire second half of the game in Detroit yesterday because he was throwing up all over the field. Dude got food poisoning from a place called Mom's Spaghetti. A Listen, did you watch did he not watch 8 Mile? Like he should have known. Like you can't eat Mom's Spaghetti if you're talking about M&M's mom. You can't eat her spaghetti because you throw it up, right? That's like that's what it is. That's the the vomit on his sweater. Mom's Spaghetti. The dude actually has a restaurant named after this, as if nobody saw his movie or listened to his lyrics. So Jackson Carmen goes to Mom Spaghetti, gets food poisoning, and is throwing up all over the field in Detroit yesterday. Then tweets out last night at like 7 o'clock, would not recommend eating Mom Spaghetti when you visit Detroit, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Jackson Carmen, for not realizing that you can't eat mom's spaghetti when it's Eminem's mom we're talking about here. Uh, you, sir, wind up on the dunce list. And finally, the final position, as promised, because this person will forever be put on the uh, on the dunce list, as I have mentioned, Gabe Morales. Gabe Morales, the Major League Baseball umpire who decided to ring up Wilmer Flores on a check swing that wasn't anywhere near what a check swing would be normally called as a as an offering and thus sending the Dodgers into the NLCS where they've now been beaten twice as we expected because they don't deserve to be there and uh sending the Giants home the team that was more deserving of being in the NLCS and probably would have won the first two games against the Braves thus making a much better product and making everybody happy however with the Braves beating the Dodgers again anytime the Dodgers lose America wins and I'm happy about that. But Gabe Morales, you, sir, will forever be on the dunce list, so enjoy it. There you go. The Dean's List is the dunce list for this Monday. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, no shame here, folks. No shame. I don't care. I put myself on there. I put Gabe Morales on there. Doesn't matter. I keep my word.
The Making Strides Against Breast Cancer Walk is going to look a little bit different this year because instead of a walk, we're going to go for a cruise in our vehicle. Sunday morning, October 24th, starting at 8 a.m., it's the Making Strides Against Breast Cancer Caravan. This event is to raise awareness and funds to save lives, of course, from breast cancer to, uh, breast cancer. to get more information on how you can be a part of this event or just to make a donation, go to ESPNTucson.com. It's the Making Strides Against Breast Cancer Cruise Caravan, if you will, Sunday, October 24th. More NFL and NCAA after this. It's the Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Now, in all seriousness, the third spot on the dunce list was reserved for Brian Flores. Like I said, I had I had to cut like several people, several teams, whatever, events off of the dunce. There was a lot of dunces to go around. Like, heroes on the Dean's list was a lot more difficult to come by than, than was the dunce list this week. Sometimes it's the other way around. But Brian Flores, look, I, I talked about the Miami Dolphins, and I, w- I won't spend too much time on them here, but just to, just to give you an understanding of how bad things are in Miami. They're a late Damian Harris fumble away from being 0-6, right? We talked about the, the opening week win in New England. Damian Harris fumbles the ball, essentially securing the game for the Dolphins. So it's a five-game losing streak. Very easily could be 0-6. They just lost to Urban Meyer and a team on a 20-game losing streak in London. They did not name Tua Tungavailoa the, uh, a, a captain this year. He's the only quarterback... Okay, he's the only – I mean, how do I phrase it? I have to phrase this properly. He's the only returning quarterback to a team, meaning in his second year or longer on the team, in the NFL that is not a captain for his team, which tells you everything you need to know about what that locker room thinks of Tua Tunga-Vailoa. Maybe he's a likable guy, whatever have you. However, in the pros, that kind of stuff don't matter. You earn respect because of your playability and your ability to help the team win. It doesn't matter if you're the nice guy. Nice guys finish last in the NFL in, in, in a lot of places in life, right? But here's another thing. Brian Flores, through the first five games of the season, had yet to throw a challenge flag. Like, like just wasn't throwing challenge flag. Had not thrown was zero for zero. In the, uh, in the first five games of the season. For whatever reason, as bad as NFL officiating is, didn't find a, uh, an occasion to throw the red flag onto the field to challenge something. Now, through the first half of yesterday's game in London, he still had not thrown the flag. However, in the second half, he threw two of them on consecutive plays. Lost both of them, thus leaving his team with only one timeout in the second half. That is brutal. What are you doing? Because imagine imagine those timeouts you could have used against Jacksonville to try to secure your team's win. Instead, they were essentially without timeouts. Both of the time the timeouts that he lost would have been huge uh, on the on the final scoring drive against the Jags. The Jags were just able to, to milk the clock all the way down to kick the game winning field goal. They would have 
gotten the ball back with a minute left if they had had two more timeouts left. So, look, Miami, things are really bad. I like Brian Flores as a coach. I just think that the, the, the team has gotten completely away from him. Like, he, he's lost this season already, and those are tough things to come back from. And they've invested a lot in, uh, you know, certain players and specifically in, in putting their faith into Tua Tungavailoa, and they didn't draft Justin Herbert and all this other stuff. Look, there's a lot of things negative that you can say about the Miami Dolphins. They are talented, but they are not a good football team. You can start lumping them in, and I don't want to say it's, it, that they're this bad, but the Cleveland Browns right now are headed that direction. I don't know if Stefanski's got what it takes to be the head coach that takes a team that talented uh, you know, to a, to a division title or where, you know, wherever it may go. Um, Baker Mayfield, we've talked about his inabilities, especially in comeback games. He's not a big comeback victory guy. He's a guy that plays good from the, with a lead. He's not a comeback victory kind of guy. He's not a shootout kind of guy. Can't win games with him there. And now some of the superstars are starting to chirp a little bit on that team. So things are going to get worse before they get better, in my opinion, in Cleveland. And the beatdown by the Cardinals yesterday, who were, as I mentioned, without their head coach, without the quarterback's coach, without their play caller, they didn't have their starting center, two of their better rushers, pass rushers were out of the game, an ailing secondary, didn't matter. Absolute beatdown. Kyler Murray, almost flawless. What was 21 of 30 for 400 yards and four touchdowns or something like that? I mean, just ridiculous numbers. Video game numbers. They had no answer. They, the Cardinals scored on five possessions in the first half. You, you can't. You, you just, they're just. They're just a, a shambles. And you look at. You look at the teams, who are kind of. I, I don't want to say kind of. Teams are scuttling. You know the NFC has got some competition, but it's it's real top heavy right now. The Cowboys are by far the class of the East. The. Uh, Washington and Philadelphia are both two and four. The Giants are terrible; they're one and five. The Packers are five and one in the North. The Vikings are somehow three and three, and the Bears are somehow three and three. And you get the winless Lions. In the South, you get the Buccaneers, who are five and one. Then you get the Saints. I don't, I don't know what to think about the the Saints. The Carolina Panthers have obviously somehow, some way, recently forgotten how to play defense, and the Falcons stink. Then you get the NFC West, and look, it's. It's four good teams, but the Seahawks are going to be without Russell Wilson, at least on you know not in pads, but he's going to be all over social media. He's going to be at the captain's coin toss. He's going to be on the the, the cameras, you know, before doing his workouts. You know, the 49ers, they're they're ailing. Obviously, they're they're entirely hurt. Uh, the Rams are great, five and one, but the Cardinals already have a lead over them. In the AFC, the Bills. After they destroy the Tennessee Titans tonight, will have an absolute stranglehold on the AFC East. They may win that. They may win that division by Halloween. Then you got the Ravens, who are playing as good a football as anybody in the AFC North. And you have the Bengals at four and two because they have a fantastic quarterback, and Jamar Chase appears to be a good reason, you know, a, a good pick in the NFL draft. Even though I still disagree with it, I still think you get, you know, you go out there and get yourself a left tackle. But Joe Burrows doesn't care. He's making it work. Then you have the Browns, who are 3-3 three and three and, and trending downward, and the Pittsburgh Steelers are always going to play people tough, but it's they, they can't score. The South, AFC South is a mess. I, I, could, I couldn't care less about the AFC South, to be honest with you. 
<laughs> they none of those teams are any good. We'll just move on. And then you got the AFC West, which is the most competitive division in football right now. The Chargers get smoked yesterday on the road. The Raiders win a game on the road in Denver without their head coach after getting their head coach fired or resigning, whatever you want to call it. And you got the Broncos and Chiefs that are both 500. I, there's just not a whole lot of there's, – there's a few teams playing great football. Then there are some teams playing good football, and the rest of the league is playing bad football. This is not a good look for the NFL right now. Sure, it's exciting because they're able to prop up Dak Prescott and Kyler Murray and you know Lamar Jackson and the, the guys that are playing great, and Aaron Rodgers had a fun little – uh, you know, tete-a-tete with a fan last night. I own you. I still own you. The like A lot of teams in this league not playing good football. It's ugly out there. Not sure what that means for the state of the NFL. But uh, we'll just keep watching. It's the best product in the world, bar none. All right, we're going to give away my tickets again. We're a chance to give away my tickets. I'm giving them away right now. A chance to, to uh, win my tickets to this Friday's game against the Washington Huskies. Arizona Wildcats at uh, Arizona Stadium on Friday night. Uh, text Gronk. Text the word Gronk to 68683. You've got a small window right now to get your registration in. Of course, message and data rates may apply. But text Gronk right now to 68683. Your chance to register to win my tickets. We're going to have two winners. Each winner is going to win a pair of my tickets of the, uh, the four tickets that I have to each game. And uh, you can go and support the team. They, look, they still need your support. We want you to come out and support them. I want you to be there. We all want you to be there. The players want you to be there, and you never know. And we'll, we'll preview the game plenty throughout the week. You never know what can happen week to week in college football. That win could just be around the corner, and wouldn't you like to be there for it? So text Gronk right now to 68683 for your chance to win my tickets. When we return, the Phoenix Suns have extended Mikel Bridges. Over the weekend, and the NBA season opens tomorrow night. We'll talk about that and what's next for the Suns and DeAndre Ayton. You're listening here to the Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. So the NBA season opens tomorrow night. It's you know the the likely it's just it's a pair of games, but you know there's there's a reason why the NBA puts these particular teams on. Uh, their opening night it's going to be the Brooklyn Nets taking on the Milwaukee Bucks. The of course the defending champs. The Milwaukee Bucks start their defense of their championship tomorrow night, and then the Golden State Warriors taking on the Lakers. So uh, fun matchups tomorrow night to open up the NBA season. And the Suns decided to extend rookie, or well, I shouldn't say rookie guard, but extend his rookie contract, the rookie contract of Mikel Bridges, uh, to a four-year, $90 million rookie contract extension. Now, the extension, which will average $22.5 million per season, is fully guaranteed, and it starts with the 2022-23 season is when that starts. So Mikel Bridges, who's 25, who had career highs in points, rebounds, assists during the uh, run to the NBA Finals. He also averaged one block and one steal per game in the postseason, um, averaging 13.5 points and four rebounds and two assists per game. He was, look, he was a, a, a very, very valuable member 
of the Phoenix Suns during that run, and he still continues to be a very valuable member of the Phoenix Suns. And this was well due for him. Four years, $90 million is absolutely great for uh, for Mikel Bridges. Now, the main concern right now for Suns fans, and it should be the main concern for the Phoenix Suns, is the current deadline that is in place for rookie extensions for the 2018 class. Now, the 2018 class, the Suns currently have two players on the roster from the 2018 class that they could extend. The deadline is today at 3 o'clock. 3 o'clock today is the deadline for it. They have Landry Shamit, who they traded for in the offseason. And, of course, starting center, DeAndre Ayton. Now, talks between the Suns and Ayton have not gone extremely well. Um, According to different sources, they're just kind of at odds as far as the numbers go. I can tell you right now that news just broke of the Grizzlies, Memphis Grizzlies forward Jaron Jackson, who's also from the 2018 draft class, has just agreed to a four-year, $105 million rookie contract extension with the Grizz. So if Jaron Jackson got four million or four years, 105, you would you, you would expect that DeAndre would be worth that and maybe even more. You consider what Jaron Jackson has done in the league compared to what DeAndre Ayton has done in the league, and I think his his meteoric rise, his ability to, weigh, to ability to play both ways for the Phoenix Suns. Look, defensively, he was awesome during the postseason last year. And I know that people talk, well, uh, Giannis was able to, Giannis killed him in the postseason, in the, in the finals. Okay, that's fair. Do you know what the numbers are for DeAndre Ayton against Giannis Antetokounmpo in that series? When DeAndre, when DeAndre Ayton was guarding Giannis, Giannis shot 51% from the field, which is not good. Like, I mean, that's, you know, not good for DeAndre. That's 51% from the field is really good. That's kind of what, you know, that's what Giannis does. When he was guarded by anyone on the Suns not named DeAndre Ayton, he shot 74% from the field. That's almost automatic, folks. <laughs> so his percentage points dropped 23% when DeAndre Ayton was guarding him as opposed to anyone else on the Phoenix Suns. So don't tell me that it was all DeAndre Ayton's fault in that postseason, in, that, in the NBA Finals. Giannis was on a mission. After losing the first two games, he said, uh-uh, I'm not doing this. He put that team on his back, and that was one of the most impressive finals performances I have ever seen, ever. And I've watched, I've watched NBA Finals basketball since I was 10 years old. I've been watching since the mid-'80s. I watched the Pistons and the Celtics and the Lakers and Showtime. And I, look, I've, I've been watching it well, I've been, since before I was 10 years old, but, um, you know, paying attention, really. I watched the Bulls in the 90s, of course, and the, you know, plenty of the Spurs runs and all the other runs that happened out there. I've never seen anyone that dominant and just get so much momentum that he could not be stopped than what we saw out of Giannis. It was a once-in-a-lifetime type performance. No one could stop him. No one. John Drayton was the only one that had a chance. And honestly, folks, in the last, certainly in the last game, maybe even the last two games of that, uh, of that series, he was gassed. He was out of gas completely. We have to remember his history and, and 
where he came from. You know, I, I know Suns Twitter is, you know, the fans are basically 50-50. Some fans don't want him re-signed. I can't figure out why, other than the fact that maybe these are just bitter ASU fans who don't like him because of where he went to school. That's honestly the only thing I can think of, because no sane person who knows anything about the game of basketball would ever say that DeAndre Ayton is not worth a contract extension. I'm just stating the facts here, folks. I'm being honest. If you have never watched basketball before, and you have no idea what basketball looks like, and you have an agenda against players who went to the University of Arizona, then you could probably say he's not worth the extension. Other than that, you're a moron. If you don't think that DeAndre Ayton is worthy of a rookie of, of a contract extension worth somewhere around twenty five to twenty eight million dollars a year, based on what we've seen and how well he's played and how quickly he's picked things up and how much he's respected on that basketball team and how much he's relied upon, I can't help you. Like I just there's there is no help for you. I can't help you. No one can. You're just being silly. So I don't know what the problem is with Robert Sarver and, and Aiton's agents, why things aren't getting done, but they got till 3 o'clock today. So the clock is ticking, and hopefully we'll have good news for you to share tomorrow morning. Hopefully Justin and Ali will have good news to share with you this afternoon that a deal has been done. We'll continue to wait for it. I was hoping that we would get something before I signed off today, that does not appear to be the situation. It appears that, uh, that they're going to continue to go. I got the Jaron Jackson note, but that's about it. Um, so hopefully, hopefully, something will happen shortly, and uh, DeAndre Ayton will be signed, and the Suns can get him locked up, and we can move on with this season because the last thing you want is your star center thinking about a contract and stuff during the season and being distracted. That's a very easy, easy thing to happen in the league, especially with young players. And especially with a guy like DeAndre who's, look, DeAndre's a very emotional guy. He plays with a lot of emotion, a lot of heart. If he feels like he's being underappreciated or unappreciated, that's going to show on the, on the court. It's just the way it is. It's just, it's just the kind of player he is. Some players can do without it, although I don't know many who would, to be honest. So we'll continue to keep an eye on that. Hopefully we have good news for you either this afternoon or tomorrow morning. Regardless, stay here to ESPN Tucson. For, uh, for that info. Speaking of basketball, it's back. It starts tomorrow, and there's no better place to bet on the NBA than FanDuel Sportsbook. To celebrate NBA tip-off, FanDuel Sportsbook is giving new customers enhanced odds. Now check this out. You're going to get 75-1 to 1 odds on any team to win tomorrow night and Wednesday night. These are This, this promo is good for two days, October 19th and October 20th. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel and betting some NBA games, now is the perfect perfect time to give it a shot. 75 to 1 odds to win. Folks, it doesn't get better than that. And, of course, with America's number one sportsbook, which is, of course, FanDuel Sportsbook, it's easy to use. You can register. It's easy to make deposits. And it has fast withdrawals. Plus, you get, like, super boosts over the weekend for NBA. There's all kinds of cool promos. And live betting. It's easy to place your bet fast during a game. If you see something you like, there's trends always that are, that are changing throughout the game. You can jump right in, right in the moment, 
merge into, into the fast lane and get betting right in the middle of a game. It's awesome. So see for yourself why FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today. Sign up using my promo code DEAN because that's the only way you're going to get those 75-1 to 1 odds. 75-1 to 1 on a win. That's a money line. 75-1 to 1 tomorrow and Wednesday only. But use my promo code DEAN and make every moment more this NBA season. 21 and over and present in Arizona. New Year's is only. $10 first deposit is required. Must wager and designate an offer market. Max bonus is $150. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. If you think you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342. When we return, put a big, bright, red, shiny bow on today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. That's next, right here on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back. Final segment, today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Real quick, my Friday Five results. I don't have the lock of the week yet because that plays tonight. I did. A, I, I don't normally do that, but I did pick the Monday Night Football game as my lock of the week. Uh, so we'll have the lock of the week tomorrow. Should be 7-0 and by the time we're speaking tomorrow after the Bills dismantle the Tennessee Titans tonight. My Friday five results from the college football picks on Saturday. I went 2-3, and three and th- thank heavens for uh, Mark Stoops in Kentucky with a backdoor cover against Georgia going for a touchdown with one second left on the clock to try to get a backdoor cover there, and they were able to score, punch it in, and then get the, uh, the PAT blocked. But nonetheless... Kentucky covers, so I, that makes me two and three on the week, twenty-one and eighteen against the spread on the season. So not bad. It's still, it, it's still on the plus side, but mm, things were not good over the weekend. I lost the Texas bet, which I thought was going to be a good one. I just didn't think Oklahoma State was going to be able to score with Texas. But then I forgot just how bad Texas's defense is. Apparently, it's terrible. For the second week in a row, Texas has gotten a Heisman-like performance out of B. John Robinson, who was spectacular on Saturday against a great defense in Oklahoma State, only to have the Texas defense make the opposing running back look like Archie Griffin out there. Second week in a row. Last week, it was Oklahoma's running back who went for 238 yards or whatever it was and a game-winning score when they were just trying to get closer to the, uh, to the, to the end zone for a field goal, game-winning field goal. This week, it was Oklahoma State starting running back who went for 198 yards or whatever it was uh, against Texas defense. Texas defense is not good. The offense is good, but when they go up against another really good defense, they just don't have it. That's why they lost to Arkansas. That's why they lost to Oklahoma State. So Texas is going to be dropping out of the top 25 for sure. Now looking at the AP polls and the, the coaches poll, I have my own, which is similar but not the same as the as the 10. Here's my top 10. These are my top 10 teams. I'm going to start at number one because that's the easy one, and then things get a little bit dicey when you work your way down. Number one team in the country, as far as I'm concerned, that's Georgia. That's easy. They got all 63 votes for the number one, uh, the, the number one ranking in the AP. They've earned it. Number two is Oklahoma. I know a lot of people are like, oh, it's Cincinnati. Okay, Oklahoma's 7-0. Cincinnati's 6-0. Oklahoma has bigger wins. Then since he does, since he has the road win against Notre Dame, who's, look, they're rebuilding this year, especially at the offensive line. The quarterback situation hasn't been great there. I like Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma's a better team than Cincinnati. It's not taking anything away from Cincinnati. I have Cincinnati as my number three team in the country ahead of Alabama. Alabama's my number four team. 
Number five is where things I switch things up a little bit because, and I I know people are going to be like, "What are you talking about?" I have Michigan as my number five team, six and zero. Oh. I have Ohio State number six. They lost at home to Oregon, and we've seen what Oregon's become. So I you know I know Ohio State's great and all, but they got a blemish. Number seven in my poll, Michigan State seven and zero. Oh. Mel Tucker is rocking right now. I've got Penn State as my number eight team. And Iowa is my number nine team. I know. Iowa beat Penn State without Penn State's starting quarterback. Things are different if Penn State's starting quarterback stays in that game. And then I have Oklahoma State as my number 10 team in the country. Well, Jeff, where's Oregon? Well, they're right outside along with Ole Miss, Coastal Carolina, Kentucky, Wake Forest, Notre Dame. They're all sitting on the outside there looking in. We'll keep, keep that updated as we go. All right. Spears and Ali from 3 to 6. I'll see you guys again tomorrow at 7 a.m. Thanks to Mary. We'll see you guys again at 7 o'clock tomorrow morning here on ESPN Tucson. Thanks for listening to the Jeff Dean Show, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back tomorrow morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson. From the Casino Del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson. KFFN Tucson. KWCX Tanka Verde. KMXZ HD4 Tucson.